0: This is Rossi, better known as Chef Rossi, owner and executive chef of the Raging Skillet, New York's wildest catering company, if I do say so myself. Although, actually, to tell you the truth, I've been catering for, hmm, like 32 years now, so maybe I'm not so wild anymore. I might have tamed a little bit, although I do have a tendency to be uh, a little bit, shall we say, out of the ordinary, but I don't know, maybe not wild, maybe just a little bit zippy and zappy, how about that, a couple of Z words. Anyway, here I am again, close to midnight, my preferred time, and it is the very end of Hanukkah, I won't spit in your face again like I did last week, so I'll kind of say it more mellow. Hanukkah. Anyway, it's the last night of Hanukkah as I'm taping this, although you may not hear it for a few days because I'm gonna just let it ferment a little bit. Anyway, I've had quite a weekend. I fed a lot of people, as I've been doing lately, and I fed them my famous and spectacular barbecue brisket with the expert assistance of my sous-chef, Gloria, who's the one who had to put all that meat in the oven and roll it and sauce it and pull it out and roll it and sauce it and watch it and love it. Mm. And all I had to do was make the sauce and the rub and applaud loudly when she pulled it out of the oven. So it was a partnership. There's some more of those P words I love so much. Partnership. Anyway, we cranked out some awesome, awesome food for a fabulous wedding, and this one really touched my heart because this beautiful couple, they came up to me at the end of the night and said, you were the first vendor we hired two years ago, and then the world fell apart, and here we are at long last, so they would hired me to cater their wedding. And then it had to be postponed, another P word, pa pa pa, postponed, because of COVID. And then it had to be postponed again a second time. So, two years later, I finally got to cater that wedding, thank God. And it was a fabulous wedding. And they were so awesome and lovey dovey. and And they loved me, too, more importantly. And these people drank like there was no tomorrow. We actually ran out of vodka and had to send out for more. And we had a lot of vodka. Trust me on that one. But it was a great party. And I got to serve my famous, beautiful brisket and some other awesome, fantastic food. And so, since this is the last night of Hanukkah, and since, you know, you've stuck by me now for... I've been doing this podcast for, ooh, almost two years now. It's been a while. Let's see. Just started it in the summer of 2020, so, well, right, year and a half. You know, close enough. Who's counting? Anyway, I think I'll give you a little reward and tell you all about my brisket. So this is not a Jewish brisket. This is not a sort of Provençal darling brisket with a red wine. No, this is a down-home barbecue brisket. And that is really what I think brisket should be. That's I think that's where it just needs to be. It needs to be in barbecue. Now, I don't have some big, giant, gorgeous smoker like a real barbecue joint or like they did in Texas. But I can tell you, I don't think you're going to miss it if I give you my brisket. So maybe come over and visit sometime and we'll see how that works out. Anyway, when the brisket comes in, it's a big giant piece of meat. It's kind of intimidating. We had six of them come in. You could fill a bathtub with six briskets. I mean, that's intimidating. And so the trick is that you want to trim your brisket, but you don't want to cut all the fat off. Usually, You're trying to cut all the fat off out of your life, out of your diet, out of your brisket. No, not out of your brisket. You don't want to cut it all off. You want to leave like a nice quarter inch of fat because we're going to do something sexy with that fat. So, fat can be sexy if it's on a brisket. And so, then when your brisket has been trimmed you make a nice rub rubbing is a lovely thing I like foot rubs I like back rubs and I like brisket rubs so I, I make it different every time I make it but basically I want some garlic powder and some onion powder and some celery salt we love me some celery salt some cajun spice some paprika some brown sugar because sugar and spice and everything nice and I throw in some Old Bay partially because I like it and mostly because I got a huge giant jug of it and I want to just get rid of it and get some more Old Bay in because I've had it for a while. Still tastes good but I'm sick of looking at it and then I'll throw in some ground coriander and some ground black pepper and mix all that up and if i feel it's great great and if i don't feel it's great i give it a little more celery salt i give it a little more paprika i give it a little more love i make my nice little rub sometimes i'll even throw in some white pepper and some black pepper and some turkish red peppers so i'm a tri-sexual pepper family ppp pepper anyway i'm into my peas my pee. well i did that earlier i don't have to go now it up i keep drinking water i might anyway i digress so give it a nice rub all over because you love it and now you could do that the day before if you want and just let that rub kind of penetrate another p p p p doesn't it seem like everything starts with a p today Anyway, you want it to penetrate. But if you don't have time, then who cares? Just give it the rub. Now, what I used to do was take that giant brisket and put it in a giant rondeau and sear it all over. But now, I don't do that because it's a waste of time and it's not necessary. But when I do have a giant brisket, we like to cut it in half because it's just so huge. I don't even know if I can fit it in my oven. Anyway, so I wound up with 12 briskets, my Six giant ones cut in half. Six times two makes 12. Smell me. I know how to count. And now I take my Depot hotel pans, and you want to spray a little cooking spray so that it doesn't get too sticky. And here's the thing. You put them all in the oven at like 350, uncovered, and you let the oven do the searing so you don't have to have all those pots and pans that you sear in. I sear it about a half hour on each side, only in this case, my fabulous sous chef, Glory, did it for me, so I could stay home and drink another cup of tea and play with my computer a half hour longer. Thank you very much. In any case, you sear it on both sides so you render some of that fat, and then, after an hour, you lower the oven to 300, and you pour in your gorgeous barbecue sauce, whatever your favorite barbecue sauce is. I made a ton of barbecue sauce for this. And my barbecue sauce is very thick. So I wanna wet it up a little bit. So we poured in some beef stock and some apple juice. So you got kind of a sweet thing happening. And you don't have to fully submerge your brisket. I mean, you don't need that much liquid, but maybe like two inches of liquid even three, if you're excited about it, you know, a couple of inches of liquid, and then you foil the top. So now it's fully enclosed. Goes in low and slow at 300. I'm going to say hmm, another four hours, depending on the size of the brisket. Could even be five. I think this time took us another four. So that's five hours of cooking time altogether. One hour to sear the fat uncovered and then all the liquid covered another four hours. If you got a bigger brisket, it might take five, but pretty sure it took us four. We knew it was done and we checked it. I should say, we, Gloria, checked it while I clapped and applauded. And then when it was nice and soft, and, like, you didn't need teeth to eat it. That's how you know when brisket is ready. If you think you need teeth to eat it, it's not ready. If you think you could eat it with no teeth whatsoever, then it's ready. So, came out gorgeous. We lifted the brisket out of the sauce and put it on some sheet pans to cool off. And we poured all that sauce into a big bucket. Put that in the fridge when it was cool. Cool. The next day, just lifted up the fat, came right off from our bucket of sauce. We packed it into containers. Now, all this was done well in advance. So now, brisket's in the fridge. Say we cooked the brisket on Thursday. On Friday, Ron, Chef Ron, who is the world's foremost brisket cutter, there's an art form to that, trust me, cut our brisket into uh, about 300 slices which was perfect so we could give generous portions of brisket at this wedding and we packed all the sliced brisket into hotel pans and then at the wedding we poured the sauce over it and we added some beef stock just to get it nice and liquid and put that in our warming cabinets when we served it so then it got to warm and warm and warm for another while and got even softer and more delicious when we served it That was about as close to sex, I think, as you could get without having sex. Just some awesome, awesome down-home oven-barbecued killer brisket of the gods. So, I guess I've been serving a lot of meat lately, so I'm feeling bad about that. But I don't know. That was some excellent brisket, I gotta say. Interestingly, though, I went home and what did I have for dinner after catering that wedding? I had some cottage cheese and yogurt. First I had some cottage cheese, then I had a yogurt, then I had a few, I had a piece of fruit. So, interesting, right? I made all that meat and all I wanted was cottage cheese. I mixed a little pineapple in. So, I don't know. That's how it is when you're a chef. Sometimes I'll do these elaborate feasts. Then I'll come home and have tuna salad on a gluten-free cracker. Used to be a Triscuit when I could eat gluten or before I knew I was allergic to it. But, I digress. So, the point is, it's the last night of Hanukkah, and my gift to you is my barbecue brisket recipe. So, I would say do not make brisket unless you're gonna make a lot of it, because it's so great, you wanna feed it to a whole bunch of people, like I did. It was a very exciting thing. And now, for the non-brisket eaters, we did a beautiful Cajun Spice Salmon, so I did a nice Cajun Spice Rub, I had my cayenne and my paprika and my onion and my garlic and my three kinds of pepper PPP pepper and did I say cayenne? I had that there and I had some also I threw in some emerald spice mix too. It was just a whole ton of stuff and a ton of celery salt because I love celery salt and so we did the Cajun spice salmon and Chef Ron seared it so it was beautiful and crusty And with that, so it was already spicy because it already had the spice rub. So I didn't want to give it a spicy sauce, even though we had kind of a down-home theme happening. I wanted to give it a mellow sauce. So I made a red pepper coolie. Here's more peas for you, red pepper, pepper, pepper. Anyway, I made a red pepper coolie And how I did that was we took roasted peppers that we peeled... And I pureed the roasted peppers with a little bit of sherry vinegar and a little bit of the juice from the roasted peppers and a little bit of sriracha. There's that word I love so very much and a little bit of ground white pepper and a little bit of olive oil. And it was just kind of mellow. So peppery, a little bit. You get the little sherry vinegar bite and the little pepper bite and the sriracha bite and mainly it was very mellow and came out almost a little bit pink when you added the olive oil I put that in a squirt bottle and I kind of zigzagged a Jackson Pollock design across the fish so it was beautiful this was some very exciting food thank you very much if I do say so myself and the bride and groom were so happy and so full of joy and it was such a long wait I mean COVID my god just love that they stuck it it out. What kind of word is that? Stuck it out. (laughs) They waited for me two years to cater their wedding. Stuck it out. I love that combination of a couple of words, I think. I don't know. What was I trying to say? They staked it out and they took it out. They staked and took it out. Well, anyway, the bride actually was a vegetarian, but she still wanted barbecue brisket for her groom. Now that's love. Anyway they had an enormous feast and we did a beautiful vegetarian entree. We took a portobello mushroom and oven barbecued that so we would kinda hold up to the brisket. And then I made a beautiful sauce where I reduced balsamic vinegar and I whisked in some molasses and I reduced some tamari and I got a great balsamic molasses glaze and zig that kind of zigzagged it all over the portabella steak. The funny thing is that I never had so many requests for a vegetarian entree. We had 14 people ask for the portabella vegetarian entree. But then later on, we found out that they all ordered the portabella steak thinking it was a steak. So they wound up having the vegetarian entree and wanted a steak. Well, we gave them some brisket and they felt better. Was still a beautiful thing, and I got to serve the beautiful roast radishes that I talked to you about last week. We had gorgeous vegetables. We had whole, oh, it was so pretty. It was golden beets that we roasted and peeled and cut into nice bite-sized pieces and carrots cut into gorgeous bite-sized pieces and some parsnips were so beautiful and some shallots were so beautiful and mixed in some asparagus for color and some zucchini for color all of this roasted and salt and pepper and thyme and then we did my beautiful little baby cherry radishes cut in half tossed in olive oil salt and pepper like I said and roasted and the whole thing mixed together it looked like an acid trip that's what I'm thinking I did mescaline once when I was in high school and it looked a little bit like this but Um, But I digress. Anyway, it was a gorgeous, gorgeous combination of vegetables. So it was truly exciting dinner. It really made me happy. And then we did some perfect Yukon Gold potato steak fries. Beautiful. And they had a little garlic and a little salt and a little pepper and everything was beautiful. I don't know. I was so excited. The whole thing made me feel good. Nothing makes you feel good like cooking beautiful food, eating beautiful food, but Mostly, in my case, sharing beautiful food. So, on the last night of Hanukkah, I'm just feeling blessed. Mm. That was me sipping my tequila. I almost got through a whole show without it. It's medicinal, you see, because it's late at night. And I start to lose my voice a little bit. So, it's required by my doctor that when I do my podcast late at night, I must sip a little tequila. It's not for any other reason. Thank you very much. Now today, since it was the last night of Hanukkah, I rewarded myself and I went out and did something that I haven't done in a while. Now don't go there with your dirty mind. I didn't do anything dirty. I went out with my girlfriend and we went to see the ocean and it was cold. I mean, it's December, December 5th. It was fairly chilly. We went to Ocean Grove, New Jersey, Asbury Park, New Jersey, Bradley Beach, New Jersey. And just in Asbury Park, we really just stopped so I could smell the ocean and feel the ocean. Oh my God, it's so exciting. I always grew up on the ocean. The people listening to this who grew up on water, on the ocean, on the bay, somewhere where they could smell it, where the salt was in the air. It's in your bones, it's in your soul. It's right down there deep in your solar plexus. I feel that my soul is wrapped in salt water. And so if you're not near the ocean for a long time, it's like uh, an appliance that hasn't been plugged in or the battery's not charged. And when you get near the ocean, even if it's in the middle of winter, something happens very deep inside your solar plexus, like what happened to me. I know that you know what I mean. People out there along the shore in Florida, if you grew up; people out there in Provincetown, Massachusetts, if you grew up on the water; if you wherever you are, if you grew up on the water, especially. Salt water. You know what I mean when you can smell it and feel it and taste it. It's like, I guess it's like you're coming home. That's the feeling. So I had that, catered this huge wedding, fed all that brisket. It was not an easy wedding. It was a lot of work, a lot of stress, but very rewarding. And the reward was seeing the ocean, even though it was cold and even though it was nighttime. Doesn't matter. I can see it and I could hear it and smell it and feel it, and it just went deep inside my soul. So I guess, you know, if there's something for you that warms your solar plexus and feels like home, then go out and get it. All right, well, all right, listen. If what warms your solar plexus and feels like home is being a serial killer, then don't go out and get it. Unless you're Dexter, Dexter, you're forgiven because you're adorable and we love you and we're so happy that you came back because we missed you. But anyone else, no. You have to kind of not do that. But if the salt water feels like that, if the bay in Provincetown feels like that, if the ocean in Florida feels like that, if a river in Mississippi feels like that, If it's got nothing to do with water, but a forest feels like that, and if it's got nothing to do with nature, but what really warms your solar plexus and feels like home is shag carpeting, then you need to go out and get yourself some shag carpeting. And it's harder to find because it's not the 70s, you know. But I got to say, in the 70s, that was my first requirement for any motel or hotel we pulled into, that it had to have shag carpeting. Oh, my God, how I loved it. Not skanky, dirty shag carpeting. That is not a sexy thing. But clean and soft and plush shag carpeting. I rolled in it when I was a kid. I didn't even want to go into the bed. I wanted to just roll around the shag carpeting. I just loved it. So if shag carpeting makes you feel warm in your solar plexus, if you are a person of a certain age who grew up in the 70s, and shag carpeting warms your soul, go and get some shag carpeting. And if a lava light warms your soul, you need to go out and get a lava light. I had an awesome lava light when I was in high school and I loved it. But then I knocked it over and half of it spilled out and I somehow thought I could fill the space with water and then I thought, well, I it shouldn't be water dishwashing If I mixed water with palm olive, maybe I could do that. So I tried to fill the space with the water in the palm olive. It didn't work at all totally stayed separated forever and was just this kind of soapy water on the top and the lava light underneath it and so I just tried to look down and not up and concentrate on the working part of the lava light but it required an enormous amount of marijuana to stay with the spirit of the lava light so my point is and what is my point my point is that whatever makes you feel like home if it's the ocean, or the bay, or the forest, or the shag rug, or the lava light, its just something that really warms your solar plexus, just talking about it, I feel like a warm blanket is over my chest, because I can still feel the ocean on my face from the walk I had a few hours ago. Go out and get that thing. Get that thing that makes you feel like home because it's gonna make your life so much easier. Life is really hard, let's face it. It can be exhausting and stressful and scary and there can be a lot of pressure and aggravation. There's violence and hatred and racism and homophobia and all kinds of terrible things. And so we have to walk out into this war of terrible things giving us an onslaught of negativity and crap. How can we do that unless we carry a secret weapon? And the secret weapon is something that f- fills our soul with joy and love and warmth. And the easiest way to do that, well, the easiest way to do that is to be a kind, decent, loving, generous person and to love other people and to. Therefore, have them love you because you're a kind, decent person and you're loving them and not to hurt anyone and not to be a jerk and not to be a few words that I can't say right now or I won't be able to be on the radio. But the other way is to find home. Find it and carry it with you wherever you can. You know, if it's a a little pebble from the beach that you carry in your pocket, if it's a little sliver of shag rug that you carry in your pocket... It's, you know, whatever it is Find it and keep it and love it It'll get you through, you know So I can't carry the ocean around with me But you know what I get there once in a while And I carry the memories with me In the meanwhile I've been listening to the sound of waves On my phone at night This is an app where I can type in The sound of waves The other one I kind of like is the sound of rain But more about the waves So, you know, however you get there on the last night of Hanukkah Hanukkah I leave you with awesome barbecue brisket some good advice please find your love your loving good gooey lovey dovey home feeling however you get it and carry it with you to gravitate through all the chazerai this I bequeath to you my darling and so for me since I can't get to the ocean every day I'll go when I can. i listen to the wave music. And what I have here is a long walk. Doesn't matter how cold it is. Along the East River. Because even though it's not the ocean, it's water and it's moving. Listen, you know what? It's something. Well, take what I can get. And I don't have a lava light anymore, but... If you're listening to this, maybe you can buy me a lava light for Hanukkah. How about that? You're looking for something to get? I'd like a lava light, an aqua blue. Like, I think inside aqua blue so that when it kind of moves, it sort of looks like the colors of the ocean. I will accept that. And also, I'm almost out of tequila now. I've been, this is just so you know, I'm not a lush. I've been doing this for a year and a half, and I'm almost out of the tequila. I started with one bottle a year and a half ago, so I've been sipping tequila during my podcast, and it took me a year and a half. That's really pathetic. All right, I've totally blown my cover now. Now you know that I'm a wimpy wimp, but you know what? I'm proud of it. So either I have to go out and buy some tequila before the next podcast, or I'm going to wait For one of my love muffins who listened to my show i would like a lava light for hanukkah and a bottle of tequila something dark and robust please thank you very much there so how did you spend your hanukkah well maybe you're not jewish and therefore was no skin off your nose but that means you're getting ready for christmas and all the other things And so I'll have much more to say about that. But if you're Jewish and you're listening to this, I hope that you had a fantastic Hanukkah. I hope that you had eight great presents or even one good one. Like I told you, we got like eight really crappy presents and then maybe one good one for my parents. I won't go into that, but you know what I mean. So I hope you had a lot of joy. I hope you had your latkes because we're supposed to eat something greasy and fried. I've been having lots of fried potatoes in all sorts of various forms recently. And I think I might be overindulging on the fried food, but it is kind of delicious. I had fried mac and cheese fritters yesterday. I had latkes like I promised you I would last week. And what else did I have? Oh my God, I almost forgot i had fried chicken so i told you i thought fried chicken should be good for hanukkah and just to prove it i had fried chicken yesterday and for the last night of hanukkah i had it again today gluten-free fried chicken delicious with hot maple that you gotta try i'll give you this one last hanukkah gift take a little maple syrup a nice organic gorgeous maple syrup and whisk in a little Frank's hot sauce, or Tabasco, whatever you prefer, to your level of spiciness. I would like to feel the spice, but I don't like it to be crazy. And the next time you make fried chicken, drizzle it with the hot maple. Good Lord, was that good. We served it with waffles and the hot maple. There's nothing more delicious than fried chicken and hot maple on a waffle. Whoa, yeah baby. So. I digress as always. This is Rossi, better known as Chef Rossi. Thank you for joining me on Raging and Eating. And as always, food is love and so are you. Now go out and do something sexy and bring that home right into your solar plexus.